Amen. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, worship team. Good morning, church. Man, it's good to be with you. End of spring break and you're still alive. You're doing well in life. I love it. I'm glad you're here. Um, for those who don't know, my name is Nick. I serve as one of the pastors here at Solid Rock. And it's just an honor to be able to come before you with God's word and just share um, from his word um, just what he has been doing throughout the history of the church and what he's continuing to do through us as a church. And we're in our Genesis series looking at God's good design. And so we're going to be in uh, Genesis chapter 1 starting uh, towards the end of it. So if you want to start turning there, um, we're going to be looking at the fact that God in his creative work, like everything was good, right? Genesis 1 and 2. Like everything he's creating, it's beautiful, it's intentional, it's purposeful, and it's good. It ends with these statements of its goodness, right? And then he, he creates man, and so it's very good. But then we see this idea of rest come in, this idea of rest. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. And it's interesting, I don't know if you've ever experienced this or ever thought this, that when a pastor is preaching a message, he has somehow arrived, achieved or has mastered that area of his life and is then now able to speak on God's behalf for it. It is not true. We preach through the Bible not on things that we have conquered or figured out ourselves and that we have somehow overcome them. We are men who are in need of grace. And so when we talk about the idea of the theology of work and rest, I have not mastered this in my life. If anything, I am owning the fact that I need more continuous redemptive work in this area. And, and I want you to be encouraged that God is faithful to meet you in that. And so when we start thinking about the idea of work and rest, it's, it's very hard to pull apart what we understand as a culture of what it looks like to be a really good worker and what does it look like to rest well. Because to be honest, I think often we don't know what it looks like to rest well. And we also don't know what it looks like to work healthy. There's a difference between work well and work healthy. Like we, some of us know how to be really hard workers, but not all of us know what it looks like to be healthy workers. And then what does it look like to pull away and be restful? I think about the Alabama song, I'm in a hurry to get things done. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You rush and rush until what? Life's no fun. Oh, I love that you know it. I love that. You know, the part that gets me is he talks about racing his car because he can go 0 to 60 in 5.2. And to be honest, 5.2 is so slow. <laughs> I think we had a minivan that could do 5.2. <laughs> just shows how much songs age. But it was just this idea that we rush and rush and we're just pedal to the metal. We're just doing things and we're doing things for almost no sake or purpose. We just know that we're supposed to be doing things. And then life and joy and goodness and everything that God has given us, and that's what we're going to be looking at today, is gone. It's not there anymore. It's just no fun. And if you remember the way the verse or the chorus ends, he goes, all I have to really do is live and die. I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. And even though it's a catchy song and I have memories attached to that, it's such a sad statement to think all I really have to do is just live and die. I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. It's really like the, the band Alabama was reading Ecclesiastes and they were just like, there's nothing good. Nothing good. We'll just make it a catchy tune. So we're going to be in this series uh, looking at what it means to rest, 
to work, to be part of this theology of working and resting. And so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 28. It says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with the seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So we're familiar with this passage. We're familiar with the creation story. But there's some things that we need to make sure we're pulling out of this. It's because God is calling us. God has designed us with purpose with intentionality to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. So we don't have to actually live out the Alabama song. We're going to actually look what it looks like to live out Christ, the gospel, in his word. And so the very first part of verse 28, it says, And God blessed them. And when we look at this, and we, we, we can be uh, tempted to just kind of read past that and go, Oh, that's nice, and God blessed them. Right? Like when someone sneezes, you say, God bless you, right? It's just like a reaction, and we don't really think through what it means to be blessed. But the fact that we start off in verse 28 saying, and God bless them, meaning that everything that God has made, everything God has done up until this point was meant to be a blessing, not a burden. Everything that God had created and done up until this point was meant to be a blessing, not a burden. And so we become image bearers. We've been talking about this. We become image bearers of this blessing, of this creation. And we get to be small kings in God's great kingdom to continue to live and work in this creation that he's given us. And so all of these things, God has started off first by saying, bless them. Meaning that it is good, it is not with burden. But then he goes on to say, be fruitful and multiply. So he's given us more of this purpose of what it looks like to be image bearers, to be fruitful and multiply. So God's commissioning us as image bearers to go out, to fill the earth, to have dominion over it, to subdue it. But he's telling us to create more image bearers of who God is. And I want us to think about what it means to be an image bearer for just a second, is that we are created in God's image. It's not that we physically look like God, but we have characteristics We have a soul, we have an identity, we have a beingness to us, right? And the reason that's so important is not just so that we can understand theology, work, and rest, but just understanding ourselves that every single person who's created carries the image of God. That means there is an innate dignity that comes to you as a person that you do not have to earn, that you do not have to deserve, It is given to you as a blessing. It is given to you as a blessing to be made in the image of God. Now, you skip forward past Genesis 3, and we recognize that our image has been distorted and has been broken and it needs to be redeemed. But even in that state, there is a dignity that is given to you because God has made you as a blessing. And so then he's now telling us to 
Go, make more blessings. Go, fill the earth and, and create more of these small kings that are going to be working throughout my creation. So we see families growing and spreading out as a, as a result of this calling. And as image bearers, we are also called to subdue this creation, to have dominion over it, to rule over it, to preside in authority over it. So we were meant to rule this creation. It means we weren't just to suck the resources out of it. We weren't meant to just enjoy it as we leisurely lay around on our clouds of comfort. We were called to step into this blessing and to serve a very important role of working in it, having dominion over it, ruling over it. That means shepherding it. Means it has resources, it has goodness and, and other things attached to it. It's meant to sustain us. And so we are called to work and subdue and have dominion over this beautiful thing that God has created that after each and every day he said, It is good, it is good, it is good. And then when we get to verse 28, and he says, And it's a blessing to you. This world that was created was meant to be a blessing, not a burden. It was a blessing, not a curse. Let's be honest, when you think about work, we don't always think about it as a blessing, do we? Man, how much when you get to the end of today, you start going, oh, Monday's about to happen. Monday's about to happen, right? Now we know why Garfield hated Mondays. <laughs> Which is ironic, because he didn't have a job. It is meant to be a blessing to be part of this creation, to be part of other image bearers in this, in this purpose that we are called to, to be a blessing, to be part of this blessing, to then be fruitful and multiply, but then also to have dominion and rule and, 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 and work this creation that was given to us. We were meant to be kings in this kingdom, small kings, not big kings, small kings. But the way we were supposed to be kings in this creation, the way we were called to be part of this creation was not so that um, we could do it the way we want, which is what we're always tempted to do, correct? We were called to rule and reign as meant to reflect the image of the king of kings, the one who actually created it. Think about that for a moment. It hits. If you just set in it for a moment to think when we go out to work, when we go out to have dominion, when we go out to be fruitful and multiply, when we go out to carry the image that was given to us, we are called to do that to reign and rule, not as ourselves, but as a reflection of the king of kings. You cannot just come up with that idea and then make it happen. You have to understand who the king of kings is first. You have to be in relationship with the king of kings to be constantly reminded of his goodness, of his blessings, of who our greatest need provider is. And so how we steward and treat the create, or, excuse me, as we steward and treat the created world should reflect how God has ruled and reigned over us. How he has ruled and reigned over us. As God sits on his throne over the universe, we are created to be these small reflections in this garden that he has given us. That's a big, big, big weighty feeling, right? That when we step out into creation, when we step out into this blessing that God has called us to be a part of, to play an active role, 
to not just have free reign where you get to do and have and be whatever you want to be because we've seen where that gets us, right? Have you ever just looked at a season of your life when you've just done it your own way and you just kind of look at the wreckage and the carnage that it is? If you're being honest with yourself, there's way more input that you've given to create that situation than you probably want to admit. A lot of times we like to do, well, well, if somebody would have done this or this or this. But the way we step into creation, the way we interact, the way we are apart, the way we subdue, rule, and just interact with one another is supposed to be a reflection of the one who created, the king of kings, the ultimate creator. So let's think about this idea of work. Like God has now worked the six days, right? And it has now come to an end. And so now we're getting into this idea of rest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. As you read that, and it feels kind of redundant, I think it's because God's just like, they're not going to get it. They're not going to get it. But God rested. As image bearers, we were called to reflect this rhythm of work and rest. And I don't think it's because God needed the rest, right? Like the one who doesn't grow weary and tired is resting because he's modeling something. He's showing us something that we were going to need. If you don't grow weary and you don't have a need for rest, why would you rest? Right? You wouldn't. It's not out of a need. It's out of a desire to show us this rhythm, to show us this intentionality, to show us this purpose of which he had created us. And so the only one who does not get tired or weary rested for you and for I to see and understand its, its blessing and its goodness. Rest is meant to be about blessing and holiness. It's not about a time to recharge your batteries, to step out of your chaos and then say, okay, I'm going to jump back in. It is meant to be a blessing. It is meant to be about holiness. And so God doesn't just ask us. He actually commands us throughout Scripture to take the Sabbath day, to set it apart, to keep it holy which just illustrates the point so much. It's not about just jumping out of life for a little bit so you can go, <sighs> and then jump right back into it. I've told you this before, and if you've been here at Solar for any of times, I use this a lot, but my wife and I did not vacation well for the longest time. One, we didn't take vacations because we were never willing to take the, 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 the cost that comes with letting go of things. Letting go of things to say it's okay to put things down for a while and go on vacation. So we didn't do it for the longest time. And then when we did it, we did it like this idea of like, hey, if we just go shopping and get away from the kids for a while, then we can step back in and we're going to be awesome parents again. It didn't work. The moment we picked the kids up from grandparents, it was like we had never left. There was no rest. There was no holiness. There was no blessing. It was just shopping and eating and, and movies and just doing things that we wanted to do, like little children that grew up. We didn't understand what it looked like to rest. 
And so that's not what Sabbath is supposed to be. The Sabbath is not supposed to be I denied myself all week and then finally I get to do something I want to do. Or I just need to recharge my, my batteries just enough to be able to hop back into all of this. No, Sabbath was called and is meant to be protected because it is a blessing, it is meant to be set apart, it is meant for our holiness, it is meant for our good. It is meant for us to be relationally connected to the one who created us. Keep in mind, all of these things are being said pre-fall. This is pre-fall. It is not because the world is broken that we now need rest. It is not because the world is fallen and creation is no longer the way it was created that we need rest. This was pre-fall. That means God had a desire for you and I to stop and be with him. To, to understand the blessing, to understand what it means to be holy and set apart. Do you struggle with this? Like, Be honest with yourself. Do you struggle with what it looks like to work and be diligent of part of what God has called us to do, to be image bearers in this world? But then do you know what it looks like, and are you surrendering to the idea that we are called to rest and rest well? And if you feel like this is really far apart from us, that because this is Genesis, this is pre-fall, that you're having a hard time connecting with it, like let's jump forward to Hebrews 4. Because this idea of rest is not just in these passages we're talking about right now. The idea of rest is throughout Scripture. It's there. It's evident. So let's jump forward to Hebrews chapter 4, chapter, chapter 4 starting in verse 9. So then... There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of the joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. So this idea of rest is for whomever has entered God's rest is those who put their faith and hope in Christ. This rest is for those who've taken the, the step of faith to have their image that God, we were created and restored through faith in Christ. And because of those who believed in God, we are called and invited to enter into that rest to be restored as image bearers. So some may believe that, okay, we, we believe in this rest, and this rest is really good, and I'm all for it, but it's at the end of life. Right? I'm just going to work hard, work hard, and what does the saying will do? I'll sleep when I'm dead. This is not what we're talking about. The Hebrew passage that we're looking at is for the believer to enter into this rest on a regular basis. To strive to enter into this rest because of the work God has done in them. To enter into this rest because we are being active as image bearers in this created world. And to be active as rest. To be image bearers at rest. And so this idea that rest will be something we'll do later is, is a fallacy. It's a lie. It, it's not going to serve you well. Because here's what you'll end up doing. You'll end up burning out. Right? And some of us start to get okay with burnout because I would rather burn out than to rust up. And we start using these like, you know, Pinterest cat image 
you know, to like encourage us to do unhealthy things, like to just burn ourselves out. No, rest is something that God is calling us to us to it now. And it's needed. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Just think about how much we despise that. Like when you think about just work, like we use really great words like he's fast, he's efficient, he's great at being productive, right? But if you're like, no, this person's really good at slowing down. I felt the negative connotations just saying it, right? Like we almost shame people who slow down and have margin and space and bandwidth. The words themselves carry it, right? And so we're tempted to say, no, rest is going to be for later, but Scripture's telling us rest is for now. Like God has modeled it for us. God has prepared us and created us for us. He's calling us into it. So there's something that we need to know is that we desperately need this rest now. Rest is difficult. Why is rest difficult? Rest is difficult because our identity is caught up too much in what we do. Okay? Think about when you're meeting somebody and you're exchanging the pleasantries, what is one of the first questions you ask somebody? What do you do? Man, you guys are killing it on interaction. I love this. (laughs) Don't forget this moment. Okay? Yeah, you ask, what do you do? Right? Because you're trying to get a sense of who they are. And guess what? What you do does not really define who you are. I used to work at Walmart in the lawn and garden section. That is not who I am. I killed everything. Okay? It is not a good depiction of who somebody is. How many people do you know are doing a job that they actually love and that's what they've always wanted to do? Most of us are doing jobs that we need to do, right? And so what you do is not a good depiction of this. And so it's so hard to rest because we get caught up in what we do as a big part of this. And rest sounds like we're just inviting our identity to be lost. But our identity is caught in what? Being image bearers. And image bearers are called to subdue and to have dominion and to rule over the creation in a way that is a reflection of who God is. But an image bearer is also called to rest. So to not rest is to not be in your actual identity. Think about that. To not rest is to push back in this. Here's an example of how we do not take care of ourselves, and we are so big on rushing, and it's not just an Alabama song. I have a slide I want us to see, and as soon as you see it, most of you are going to know what it is. What is that? Junk drawer. I actually don't know if you currently have junk drawers in your life. I know this was a big thing when I was a kid, and junk drawers look differently now, right? Because now they're going to be full of things like uh, cables and cords that you don't know what they go to. There's a Nokia phone up there at the top, which shows you how old this is. But we all have these, right? Here's why we have these, because we put everything in it because we don't have time to find a place for it, right? And we just go, someday I'll need this. I don't right now, but one day I'll need this. And we just go, boom, and we just keep going. If you start looking at your spiritual and emotional health, you all also have this junk drawer in your life, spiritually and emotionally, even relationally, where you're like, I'll get to it someday. I may need this person in my life. I may need God later on. I may need to slow down. And so we just put them in this junk drawer, and we go, let's go. And we were waiting for the tires to fall off, the check lights to come on, 
And this is what in our actual lives, we have this physically in our life, in our homes, but we also have it emotionally, spiritually, and relationally in our own life. And I'm using this illustration because you know it's true. You don't care about a single thing in this right until what? Until you need it. And that's when you start just rumming through it. You're just throwing things left and right. You inevitably get stabbed because there's like a knife or a pencil or a scissor in there, right? And you find that one battery, and then you're just praying to God that it's a good battery. (laughs) Why? Because when you put it in there, you didn't know what condition it was. And here's why this is comical to us, but the reality is we do this with people in our lives. We do this with our relationship with God in our lives. We do this with our interaction with God's word and sitting in times of prayer. And we know if we were to talk to somebody like, no, sitting and being quiet and being still and knowing that God is God is so important. But practically in the way we lived our lives, all those good intentions get thrown in some sort of junk drawer in our life. Because we don't know how, and to be honest, some of us are scared to death of what it looks like to slow down and enter God's rest. And to say, I have no control. But God, you do. Because we want to be big kings. We want to have control. We want to have say. We want to give things purpose and meaning. But we're not equipped for it. We were equipped to bear the image and to be little kings reflecting his person, his who he is, how he rules, how he reigns, right? And when we step into that, and again, as a pastor, I have not arrived in this. I am striving in this. When we do, it is sweet, it is good. And we get reminded, like, man, this is so good. Why would I not have been doing this? Because we're so busy, we get into live life and then die one day. I'll rest when I'm dead. So here's an example. Here's another thing for us to think through. Um, Alan Fadling um, has a book. It's really good. And this is what I'm quoting from him. He says, if I do more, I have more. And if I have more, I am more. And if I am more, then people will recognize me, and then I'll feel valuable. Think through that. If I do more, I have more. If I have more, then I am more. And if I am more, then people will notice me and recognize me, and then I will feel like I have value. We get caught up in this this world of production and consumption that doesn't allow for rest, right? You're working, working, working so you can purchase the things that you think will make you happy or satisfy you. Then any downtime you have is maintaining and keeping that thing, right? And then if it breaks or needs to be replaced, what do you have to do? You got to go produce more. So we get caught up in this consumption and production, and there's no room for actual rest the way we were created to actually rest. Because you know if you had a boat and went on the lake, that is not restful. It's fun. It's brief. But people who own a boat will tell you the other 360 days are terrible. Right? But we lie to ourselves. So will you put up this next slide? This is a cycle that we get caught up in of anxiety. It's like a vicious cycle of ungrace. So we get really driven for achievement to produce, to perform, to be something through what we're doing. And then we get to the bottom of it and we go, okay, the tire's on fire. This could be happening to you daily, weekly, monthly. This could just be a pattern, however it works for you. Then we go to nine-numbing escape. Because guess what? Monday's coming. 
and I got to step back into this. Monday's coming. I know I've got a board meeting, or I've got to have a meeting, or I'm going to get lectured at, or I'm going to get chewed out because I'm behind. So then we go back into driven achievement because if I can just work myself out of this, the anxiety and the ungrace that I'm, I'm in will somehow go away, but it doesn't. So we go back to the mind-numbing escape. So work is demanded. Rest is seen as deserved. Let that set in. We see work is demanded. I can't get away from this. And the only way for me to have rest is if I deserve, if I perform enough to be able to step outside of it. But the way Christ has set this up, the way God has done this from the very beginning is that he gave this to us as a blessing. A blessing. So he gave work to us as a blessing and he gave rest to us as a blessing. Right? So let's look at what this would look like if we did it the biblical way. So we have this work that we have been given and we have rest that is given. They're both blessings. So I get to work in gospel living and in life and be the dominion, ruler, image bearers that God has called me to be. But then I get to set in Sabbath, not because I've earned it, not because I'm burnt out, because it was given to me. If you ever burned out at work and they give you time off, and what do you normally feel after that? Shame, guilt. I've let everybody down. I've become a burden. They have to give me time off. Somebody else is having to pick up my slack because I'm not there. That's why we have to numb ourselves, right? But if we look at this and we go, hey, work was something given to me so I can be a ruler in this kingdom the way that reflects who God is, that's life-giving. Because at the end of the day, what do you get to do? What's mine is mine to carry, but what's not is not. And I get to trust the results with God. I get to trust the results of good work and life change and transformation and just being a, a believer in this life. I get to leave all that up to the Holy Spirit and to the Lord. I just get to be faithful in it. So work is seen as given, not demanded, and rest is seen as given, not deserved. And the ungrace is gone. And what we're left with is a tremendous amount of grace and trust in who God is, not who we are and what we're capable of doing. I stand as here as a pastor who doesn't understand this fully yet. And when I say I don't understand it, it's like I'm still learning what it looks like to live this out in my everyday life. I am really terrible about disengaging from things because I'm fearful that if I disengage and I'm just present in my Sabbath and in my rest, that it'll be a really hard re-entry to figure out what's going on, right? You know, because it feels like if you just hold on the whole time, that it somehow doesn't get disorganized and messy. And so that's what I've done my whole entire life. I'll step out and I'll have days off and I'll have time with my family, but guess where my mind is? It's not there. I'm thinking about what needs to be done next week. I'm thinking about conversations. I'm thinking about people. I'm thinking of things I need to do. I'm thinking about events. I'm thinking about dates. And I've done this my whole entire life, whole entire life. Because the idea to rest and just be in trust is such a hard thing, such a hard thing. But God has been gracious to throw on check engine lights in my life. God has been gracious to let the tires fall off in life within his control. 
God has also been gracious to have people go naked. You need to slow down. So this is an ongoing work of redemption in my life. I have not figured it all out. But it doesn't change the fact that we're called to this, where we were made for this. Just think about how little we have control in the fact that we have woken up into a morning into creation we did not create. Everything you woke up to, you had no part in creating. But you were called to help have dominion and be over it. And think about the salvation that we have. We get to have a salvation we did not earn. There's a theology of work and rest. And both are given, both are a blessing. And God does it out of his character, his goodness. And he does it for our good. Even though we don't fully have faith in it all the time or trust it or walk within it. He's good to us. And we see this, this rhythm throughout the week. There is a day and there is a night. And I believe God did day and night so we would sh- learn to shut it down. There's only so much work you can do when there's no light. And then he's given us this rhythm of work six days and on the seventh one, rest. He's not talking about laziness. He's talking about intentional rest with him. Intentional rest with the one who created you. Reflecting the character and goodness of him. Not because he needed it. He modeled it because we needed it. We were created this way. To operate outside of it causes serious injury and or death. And I say that because there's a little tag on your hair dryer that tells you if you use it in the shower, outside of its intended purpose, it causes serious injury and or death. I use that all the time in counseling situations because we get it, right? We think, how stupid do you have to be to use a hairdryer in the bathtub? It's on there, people, because someone did it. And a lawyer said, this is going to come back to get us. When we operate outside of God's design, there's serious injury and or death, not because God is vindictive and God wants to just punish you to make you feel bad, But no, he created you and I with specific needs and purposes and callings. And when we walk in them, they're beautiful and they're wonderful. Even in seasons of hardship, the rest can be good. So let's let's strive, let's spur one another on to walk in this. Because ultimately, he's also reflecting this eternal rest that we will one day step into. And I say that, but I'm really having to take that word back because we don't just step into eternity now. We have stepped into eternity with Christ now. It's just when we're reunited with him, when he comes back, that's going to be a really sweet day. And eternity is not about a space or a time. Eternity is about purpose and being with Christ. And if you're a believer, if you place your faith and trust in him today, then you are in relationship with him now. You have stepped into that eternal relationship already. So rest in eternity has started already. It's not something we're going to wait for. It is something that God has given to us now. But it is also something I hope and long for when he returns. Let's end in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 and 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. 
And the Lord God commanded them, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat it, you shall surely die. If that's not an owner's manual for a hairdryer, I don't know what is. Right? He said, hey, I developed all this. I've created it. I've set it up for you to be a blessing. Don't step outside of it. Because if you do, there'll be serious injury and or death. And we already know the rest of the story. There's serious injury and or death. You and I have experienced hurts and traumas in our life that are still needing to be redeemed. But the beginning of this passage in 15 and 17 talks about this idea. We are called to work it and keep it, to serve, to watch, to guard, to keep. So this is not a sermon on laziness. This is not a sermon on just work hard and give your whole life and identity to something that one day will burn up and be over and done. What we're saying is let's step into being image bearers, ones that are called to serve and reflect the way God has called us to be, but then to rest the way God has called us to be. As given, as blessings, full of grace, full of trust. It's meant to be a blessing, not a burden. And I want you to understand your rest reflects your functional belief in the gospel. It's not just a simple means of recovering so you can go back into it, but rest is created as, by God as a means to be a blessing to you. So it needs to be a reflection of your faith and trust in the gospel. To fully trust, to fully step out and say, God, I know you've got this. You have to know who he is and know he's trustworthy, that he's king of kings. He is the one who created. He's the one who spoke nothing into something. Amen. Right? There's a really cool person in a community group I was talking to, and we were talking about just creation and design of like what makes you worship. And she was pointing out to the fact that so many things that we've created as men, um, as mankind, uh, is just a ripoff of nature. (laughs) You know, like, you know, there are ants and insects and things that um, use triangles for their structures because it's strong, and that's innately given to them by the creator. Isn't that like beautiful and wonderful? Like, God is just, he's so uh, intentional, even down to the smallest detail. He is so trustworthy. So even whatever you think you can put your name on and say, I did that, I created that, that's not your air breathing. That was not your materials that you built with, and it wasn't probably your idea to begin with. So, Here's how we're going to land. I'm going to have some reflection questions for us, and the worship team's going to come out. This idea of work and rest is something that God is calling for all of us, but to enter into that rest the way God is wanting us to, you have to have believed in who he is. You have to believe in the gospel. If you're looking for rest for your weary soul, salvation is the step that you need to take today. If that is something you haven't done and you're not sure what that looks like, but you know you want to have that conversation, We're gonna have prayer partners up front. Elders are gonna be in the commons area. We want to have that conversation, not because we have arrived and have it all figured out, but because God's word tells us what that looks like. And we ourselves are wanting to strive in this every single day. We are needing to be encouraged in this every single day. Maybe you're here and you're like, hey, I know without a doubt that spring break was not enough. It's really fitting that we're doing this at the end of spring break, right? 
because you're feeling the Monday weight coming, right? Maybe right now God's revealing to you that you haven't been resting or trusting or walking in grace. That's not me shaming you, okay? But just an invitation to say maybe you're needing help like I need help. So how faithful are you to God's design for work and rest in each week? How can you take this and ask that question of yourself this week? What do you dread about work each week? That may point to some of the anxiety or the tension that you hold that God's going to meet you in and that biblical community can meet you in as well. What keeps you from setting aside one day each week for rest? Do you not give yourself grace that God has already offered? Do you feel like you've scheduled it where you're just unable to do it because you've committed yourself to so many different things? Or do you feel like if you did, your worth and value will be gone and you'll get replaced and there won't be a spot for you anymore? And how does your longing for rest remind you for this eternity that we get to be in with Christ? Because, folks, I'm telling you, we get to have rest now, but we get to have a beautiful rest when Christ returns. Where we're a part of a, re, a, a new earth and a new heaven. And the old things are gone. The whole new has come. So maybe that's where you're at, and I just want to give you a, a place to respond, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer, and I just pray that you be faithful. Wherever God is meeting you, just be faithful to me in return. And so the worship team is going to come out and lead us in time of worship. Father, we come before you. And I just ask, Lord, that you would, in a very real way, allow us to taste and see the goodness of your presence, to taste and see the goodness of your creation. Lord, there is so much hurt and brokenness in this world right now. And it's not new. This brokenness and this hurt we have seen our generation and generations before we see it in scripture. But no matter what, we have seen the king of kings be faithful in all things. And because of your goodness, Lord, you've given us a space to work hard, but then to rest well. And that rest is in great relationship with you. Not ourselves, not in isolation. That rest is found in you through your word, through prayer, through song, through the spirit, through biblical community. Places for us to show up and let all of the things we're carrying be laid down. Your word speaks about a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. And I pray, Lord, that we would take that up without shame and without a feeling of failure. But that we would, in boldness, know that we're walking in the way you created us, and that's good. So, Lord, we love you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus.